Welcome to Two Dudes, One Movie Podcast. The podcast where two dudes dive into cinematic masterpieces from a different decade each week. From black and white classics to modern day blockbusters, we'll be covering it all. This season, we'll be focusing on psychological thrillers. Our first movie premiered in 1956 and made us all afraid of farming. It's Invasion of the Body Snatchers. My name is Parker, and I'm joined by my co-host, Rick the Third. Rick, what is this movie all about? I really, I really think this movie is about a couple things, maybe a few things. It's about farming, without a doubt, aliens, drinking, and running. To put it simply, right? And uh, don't forget pill popping, Rick. Pill popping. You cannot forget pill popping. Pills are pills and pods. Are it's the theme of the movie. Right? Pills and pods, pills and pods. That's I heard actually that that was the backup name for the film. <laughs> it had to be. It just makes sense. Pills and pods. We're first introduced to this doctor, and he kind of he's kind of in this like hospital, asking him questions. He's go he's frantically talking about something happened to me in this town. You guys need to go to this town. Uh, and then it kind of goes to a flashback, and we just learn very quickly. The pacing of the movie is amazing. We learn very quickly that this town is pretty much be taken over by aliens, aka body snatchers, through pods, right? So they, these seeds are kind of planted underneath houses, underneath beds, underneath rooms. You fall asleep and the, the pod copies you and kind of becomes you and then you no longer exist. You're, you're now an alien. Hooray. Yeah, that's, that, I, I think that is the general gist of it. Um, very psychological thriller with a uh, twist of sci-fi about halfway through but a very interesting premise. Oh, definitely. And, like, I just think that it plays in a lot to hysteria. Um, there's, because, like, the whole point, the whole, like, throughout the entire first half of the movie, it's really that, like, no one is really believing Miles and no one really knows what's going on and kind of everyone thinks that some of these people are just crazy, that their loved ones don't exist. Yeah, not even that, though. I mean, Miles doesn't believe his patients yeah. for the first, you know, act of the movie as well um he's got all of his these patients at first this little boy comes and says that his mom is in his mom and then a woman says that her uncle isn't her uncle but there's nothing different about him and and miles is just playing it off as if it's all in their heads and that's where i think and if we even think about the time and we'll dive more of this later we have a lot of themes here and uh there's even debate where the director meant these themes so like 1950s we have times of hysteria we have times of like communism, anti-communism, McCarthyism, there's all this going on. So, and it's like pretty much for the audience to feel this for themselves. Like they're scared that there's something under their bed, right? They're scared that they're lit on top of something. We need to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, not the Western movie, but it's a good way to break down what we liked, what we didn't like, and what we absolutely freaking hated about this movie. So Parker, I do want to ask you, so what, what do you, what'd you like about the movie? Well, I thought there was a lot of good with this movie. This, especially for its time, there isn't... You know, we take advantage of what came before modern-day movies and how they build upon it, but back in the 50s, back in, you know, the golden age of cinema, there wasn't as much to build upon. Specifically in cinema, there were stories, and this is actually um, based off of um, magazines or some type of, you know, short story, something like that. So it's really impressive the the world that they created and also 
I thought this movie started off phenomenally and it sets the tone really quickly of like this guy is crazy but we're gonna follow his story along and then when we get into the story and this whole premise that people are the people that we love but they're not really who they are I thought it was really unnerving I thought tone-wise it really set the movie up in a very interesting way um, and it, it made you start to question everything it, it really laid the building blocks down so well that by you know the halfway point of the movie you're like what is really going on like what is real what is not and eventually those the, a lot of those questions are answered but it really starts strong with the level of suspense so I thought that was phenomenal another thing that I really loved about this movie and this goes back to all a lot of 1950s movies a lot of movies of this time and this generation is the witty dialogue there's so much snappy and witty dialogue in this film um, I was watching it with my wife and she just started cracking up because she thought it was so clever where they enter Becky's house. Miles and Becky enter her house. And, um, I was going to bring up the scene too. And she's, <laughs> she's talking about bedside manner and he says, that's something I'll show you later. Just like little zingers like that that are just so quick and happen in a blink but are so clever and also illustrate the character so well. Um, I absolutely adored that. And... And also because this is a lower budget movie, this takes place in the 1950s where we don't have as much, many technological advances. A lot of things have to be done practically. There isn't just that ability to go all out with the spectacle. Um, you really got to hone in on the writing and the dialogue and the story itself. And so I think all of those things thrive and excel all the way up till the ending, which I wasn't the biggest fan of, but I'll dive more into that in my bad and ugly. I think my good is in the simplicity. I think, like, we're we're still in the beginning of, I guess, like, Hollywood and these kind of big productions, right? We're, we're in the 50s. Um, so, so much of these horror movies you see in the 50s and bigger budget movies, it's just, like, especially horror, it's, like, ridiculous costumes. We have the blob that was in the 50s. We have all these different, like, movies that are just, like, they're trying... You're trying to, like, make the audience feel scared by what they're, like, seeing visually. And obviously because we're in the 50s and only like even like movie makeup was only going so far like kind of these effects were going so far this movie had so much in its simplicity um because you even have these you don't even see like the alien pods until almost towards i think it's probably right past the middle of the movie so like and and so much of that is done you're figuring out if you can trust the narrator you're figuring out if you can like trust your main character miles um which i absolutely loved but just the, I guess just like the presentation of just these, of just the pods and the, uh, these like kind of horror elements to like pretty much get us to believe that Miles is like telling the truth and that like we can trust him. Um, I think there's so much beauty in the simplicity and it's just so smart. It's so smart with how they do it. Well, I love that this, in a, in a sense, is like an alien invasion movie without aliens. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What does it look like when someone that you love and someone you care about just starts acting just a little bit different, just a little bit different, where you can't see anything from the naked eye, but you can feel it. It plays into fears, right? So it plays into things that already don't like exist. It plays into the fear that like there's a monster under the bed, and this and this fact or this fact there's like an alien pod under the bed, right? It plays into the fear that like this like childhood fear that like what if my friend is an alien? Mm -hmm. uh, so I think it does so well playing on that already like natural kind of childhood hysteria esque things now that we've kind of dealt with uh some of the good of this movie what are your thoughts on that butt slap this is definitely the bad 
Just without a doubt, the again, it's 70 years ago, and I think this really tells you this is 70 years ago. So this kid comes in, and what was his name again? I think it's Jack. Well, Jack, Jack is the friend. Oh, Jimmy. It's Jimmy. 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 There's a lot of J names in this movie. A lot of J. I know. So Jimmy. It's also like this, like a stereotypical, like I feel like it's a stereotypical <laughs> 50s names. Jimmy like boy. American. Like Jimmy. Anyways. So Jimmy comes in the office and he's like, my mom is not my mom. And the doctor immediately like asks him one question, prescribes him pills. And was like, he, first of all, I think it was two pills every four hours he was given. <laughs> like, what in the, what are these pills that he's given so that, that Jimmy is getting so many? And so he sends Jimmy off and he's like, oh, it'll all be okay. And then slaps him right in the butt. This eight, like eight year old <laughs> kid and sends him on his way. You know, if that was on a football field, I don't think we would be questioning it quite as much. But because that was a doctor's office, it <laughs> it felt a little slimy. I'm not going to lie, Rick. It made me, you know, how we weren't sure if we trusted Miles at the beginning because he's crazy. Well, I didn't really trust Miles at the beginning because he was slapping little boys' butts. It's both that and the setup of his office. It's like these cabinets full of pills and then he just has like all this liquor that is that's always around him. He always has a drink. That's the perfect way to, to take your pills, is to swig down a, a little, sure, oh, little yeah, scotch. It, it, yeah, it increases the effects, right? That's, it's like, that's oh, how science and doctors operated in the 50s. It's true. I mean, it's how I operate today, right? So Some things never change, Rick. <laughs> I think our uglies um, might defer a little bit. So I think we actually should go into the uglies. I think it's going to be about the same thing. My ugly is similar with the director and the way that the begin the very beginning of the movie, the very end of the movie, and the voiceovers should not have existed in this movie. You really? My, so I think so the director how the director intended this movie is it opens up as Miles gets off the train station. That's the immediate beginning of the movie. And it ends as Miles is looking directly into the camera on the highway, saying that it's they're coming for you, they're coming, they're coming, frantically looking into the camera. And that's it. And the movie ends there. The the producers saw this and they thought that the they thought that it was like almost too like scary. So they wanted it. They still wanted to leave things like lighthearted. So and I, for some reason I was like thinking. And I even thought the purpose was that in general because I was like, oh, like there's only two minutes of this movie left and Miles is on the highway. Like it's just gonna end with a bad. With like, it's gonna end with like that kind of bad scary ending. And I was like, this is awesome. I didn't like, we don't do this enough in movies today. Freaking every single Avengers and superhero ass movie is just like, it's always, it's always good. Like every single freaking time. So I was very happy to see that. And then obviously they like cut back to the cutscene, and then they like, don't believe miles. And this random truck driver is like injured. And they're like, it was so weird. We pulled him out from pods. And then the guy was like, oh, we got to call in the FBI and the movie ends. I think you delete that. I think you delete the needless voiceovers and you just keep, I guess you just keep that mystery. So I will say I, I have a love-hate relationship with it. So I am I'm all for you with the ending. That That's probably my biggest ugly is the fact that the way they set it up is Miles, you know, I, I actually really enjoy that opening where he comes in and he's crazy and no one's believing him. But you're setting it up in a way where the goal is for people to believe Miles. And then at the end of the movie, no one believes him still until some random person comes in and is like, oh, we ran in, a car got ran into and there were pods. It just felt like a very cheap way for them to yeah. turn back around and be like, oh, crap, this guy was telling the truth. 
that's what I really didn't like um, about it at the end. Um, I, I realized they wanted to try and go with a more uplifting, more hopeful yep. ending um, instead of, you know, just being really dark and gray. Great. I thought at the end, and what I thought would have been really cool and also sad in a compelling way to end this movie and have them believe believe Miles is during the movie. The whole premise is once you fall asleep, the the body's kind of like it copies your mind, it takes you over, and yeah. you're not yourself. And so at this point in the story, when Miles is trying is explaining the story, he probably hasn't slept in like three or four days. So what I thought was going to happen is he was when the doctor and the psychiatric walk out of the room i thought he was going to fall asleep and then wake back up having lost his emotions having lost kind of his humanity and that would be the propeller to you know believing him and it would end on this dark mode of he was able to tell people but he couldn't save himself yeah, so I was I was thinking it was either that or I was thinking that so the very beginning like a psychiatrist kind of comes in. I thought the psychiatrist was going to be a, a pod person. I'm going to use the word pod a lot. This movie coined a phrase called the pod people. It goes with the movie. It goes with there's so many renditions of this movie of a pod person. It's also like slang almost. Now like it was slang during like the 60s a little bit that like if there's someone that like was just had zero emotions, you would just call them a pod person. <laughs> so I think it's hilarious. <laughs> Rick, are you a pod person? Well, Park, I do have on my sheet, are we all just pod people? I want to dive into that last scene a little bit now that we're just already talking about it. Sure, but let me just uh, let me just tease something for everybody who's going to be listening to our podcast. We actually are going to find out if we are pod people or not. We have a little oh quiz. Oh, my gosh. We have a little quiz at the end of this uh, podcast where we're going to find out whether we're a pod person or not. So um, we can thank my lovely wife, Becky, Ironically, her name is Becky, just like the girl main character of this of this movie. Um, she put together a little quiz for us yesterday because there are no BuzzFeed quizzes of this movie from the 1950s. Oh, that's amazing! I can't wait to find out. But yeah, let's let's talk about this ending. Let's let's dive into it a little bit more, Rick. What what do you have to say? Just with some of the director's interviews I've like seen from the 50s and 60s, even later on in his life, he gave like a late interview about a lot of his movies. He talks about that nothing is intended. They take so much... Like, if you read any review about this movie, any analysis about this movie, it talks about politics. It's, like, it's incredible telling story of anti-communist movie. Um, this time in Hollywood, there's also... that's where This is where the blacklist started, right? Pretty much everyone started on this blacklist, though, and you had to clear the blacklist before you could really, like, shoot your movie in some ways. And they wouldn't... And, and like, if you're talking about politics at all, unless it was anti-communist you would be blacklisted, uh, like the people involved in that movie. If you were a communist sympathizer in Hollywood, you'd be blacklisted. So you were pretty much on the blacklist. You had to prove that you weren't before you could shoot movies around this time. So that's like that's where a lot of people think it comes from. The director always downplays it. He says that they're going to just play into the hysteria at that time, that that's what makes the movie as like a horror. So going into that last scene, Miles is running away from the, this pod people that are chasing him. Pretty much this entire town has been taken over by aliens right he runs into the highway no one in the highway is try- he's starting to stop cars first of all i know there's traffic the cars on this highway are going four miles an hour this is not a <laughs> highway this is not a highway so he's anyways he's running past all these cars he's like saying believe me believe me i need help we need help this town but see i think that that's almost this way to say that like it's consumerism right they're driven they're trying to get where they want to go they're in these fancy cars. They're trying to do all these... They're trying to, like, 
They don't want to listen. They don't want to help people. They don't want to help the person that's singling them out. He's escaping pod people and he's telling other pod people, right? They're not mm-hmm. listening to the person that's different. That's on the highway running around telling them. So I think that literally everyone in this movie is a pod person. Well, you know, they do, obviously, in the movie, it starts out with this town, but by the third act, you realize that they are expanding their operation and they're um, taking pods to all the contacts of people of this town who they have contacts with from other towns and putting pot. They're going to go, they're going and taking pods to their place so that they can be transformed into these alien beings. And so eventually it'll just spread and spread and spread. And so that is also part of the rise and escalation of why Miles needs to get out of this town and warn people is because eventually it's going to take over all of California and then all of the United States and then there will be no one to stop this takeover and this invasion from happening. It's, uh, I think it's interesting. It's interesting. I'm excited to take the quiz at the end of the movie to see if we're pod people park. <laughs> Rick, we have a, a little time in our podcast where we devote a food review or a drink review from the movie itself. So, Rick, I heard you had uh, something planned for us. Okay, so first, I want to prelude this. There's not really food in this movie. Usually, I feel like a lot of movies, there's food either in the backgrounds, and like that's what I kind of like to pick apart. Is this good food? Who knows? This movie, though, they're, they are drinking, Park. They are, this is, there's no water. I don't think water exists in this town. Aliens don't hydrate through water, Rick. Dude, just alcohol. It's alcohol. So very first drink you see, you see a dry martini. And it's like, it's funny, it's how they cope. It's how they escape the problems, which is to get a dry martini. And then you see bourbon. Like, bourbon on ice. First of all, Miles is just pouring this. Miles doesn't even drink it. This is my favorite line, and this was what inspires, I guess, our review today, is that Miles talks about uh, they're in the garden. They like think they've passed it all by. Um, it's before they like physically see these pods. And one of the friend is like, I don't know if I'm ever gonna, like, I don't know if I'm ever gonna forget this. I don't even know if a dry martini can help. But Miles just had this little one-liner, and he's like, needs to be drier, which is like more gin, more alcohol. Anyways, I have recently enjoyed martinis myself. I'm a vodka man. I'm not a gin man. So um, I will say. Park, it's 11 a.m. here, I'm pretty sure. 11.30. Is this vodka? Is it water? Is it all the same? I don't know. For all of our viewers who are just listening, Rick is currently holding a martini glass with some sort of beverage inside of it. Don't know if it's... Don't know if I'm already started day drinking or not. Rick, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with it. That's what we do here with uh, Two Dudes, One Movie Podcast. We just... We have a good time. But I also love, like, a dry martini. (laughs) It's just straight alcohol. I'm like... I, 50s drinks are just they're just shots like a dry <laughs> martini is literally straight it's like it's so it's like three ounces of gin and a half ounce of vermouth like it's literally like why like why in college is it bad that we're just doing fireball shots in the 50s that's all they're doing they're just doing shots they have fancy names for them but they're not even shots they're full glasses they're full glasses <laughs> no wonder our grandparents think we're so soft Rick oh my gosh I know so anyways Dry martini. I love martinis. So, uh, as Miles does, apparently. My, it is the answer. It is the antidote, antidote for everything. The dry martini is the key. Mm-hmm. Rick, I wanted to get your opinions on this. I talked about this in, in my good, but um, what what are your thoughts of how this movie was set up? You know, the first act, the, the first half of this movie. I thought it was a master class in setup of suspense and mystery. 
And I just wanted your opinions on that, what you thought about it. Oh my god, I, I loved it. I loved it. I was going to text you in the first 10 minutes I was watching this and saying, like, Park, this is, this is already, like, an incredible movie. Because for me, it's like, you see it immediately, and it's so much more than what I know from these older movies that, like, generally, like, when I watch older movies that are pre-70s, I'm not in love with them. I'm kind of bored throughout it. But this movie, it's the perfect time. It's 80 minutes. It's a short movie, and it just feels like even the beginning of it, it's just the pacing. It ramps up and ramps up and ramps up and never stops. You're climbing, 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 climbing. There's no line that's just a throw-in-there line. There's no scene that's just like, we just got to throw in there. I think it attributes to the low budget and the 20, I think it was a 21 to 24-day shoot. So time yeah. constraint and low budget. I think it like attributes that. I think it's amazing. Shooting on film. Shooting on film was very expensive and you only had yeah. a finite amount of film. And so you had to be very precise on what you were going to film. And so being as tight and concise as possible, I think... You know, it's a constri- it was a constriction back in that time, but it actually made it a strength because of how tight they had to make the story. But I have to agree, the pacing of it is phenomenal, and it does what any good movie is supposed to do. It's supposed to continually have that rising action, rising action, until you get to the climax of the movie. And the climax of the movie is practically the end of the movie. Um, there isn't lot. There isn't much resolution. There isn't a lot of time spent after the fact you get to the climax where he's on the highway warning all of these people driving by and then you have like a two minute scene after that and the movie ends so it, it really is a well written well built story from the ground up without a doubt uh, and it's true like, so this story has spawned a lot of similar movies uh, there are there's there is more things that people claim that maybe cert, like certain movies have taken the ideas. There are three kind of like kind of three interpretations of this movie. So we get this movie again in 1978, I believe. Um, our boy Goldblum is in it. Uh, Jeff Goldblum. I don't think he's a major character. I like I watched the trailer and he like doesn't actually have a credit in the trailer. So it's like you just throw his name on there now because he's the most famous one. Of course. Um, so we have that one. That is actually, I haven't watched it. I'm, honestly, I'm excited to watch it now. That's a lot of people's favorite one, uh, or they're neck and neck with this one. So right, we get that one. Um, there's a little something in that movie that I will talk about in a second after I go through these. Then we get, is it The, in, the Invasion? Or no, The Body Snatcher is in the 90s. I think we have The Body Snatchers in the 90s, 2006, 2007. We have a movie with Nicole Kidman. And it's Jason, no, Daniel Craig and Nicole Kidman is in a movie called The Invasion. It's like a same similar plot. I think they crashed from like a space shuttle onto Earth, and Earth is already like taken over by these. Is that's what the premise? I've never heard of this movie. Um, but so those are renditions. Apparently, there's another one coming out soon. But Park, what I gotta think though is like I don't think we need more of this. The world is fascinating itself. I think the world, like you can build on the world. We'd have a TV show, almost like a zombie TV show, like in this world, it's where you're just kind of you're pretending to be like a copy to kind of get through some of these like masses of people in that sense though like we've seen this movie redone ton and ton and ton of times so do you think that this movie needs to be touched on again so i think that this movie doesn't need to be rehashed again i don't think that you need to have the same exact story told again where you know you were talking about the four different iterations of it but i think that this story in itself um still has more to be told and uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is the movie Get Out. 
in the influences that uh, Invasion of Body Snatchers has on Get Out when it comes to you know losing your humanity, something attacking you from the inside out, um, and the different cultural commentary and the different things that could still be said with the same premise. I also think it would be very interesting to have a sequel to this movie, like you were saying, in a world where someone has to figure out how to resolve the situation of all these people around them having been taken over, but blending in at the same time. I think you could do something interesting there as well, but the fact of just making like a fifth or sixth Invasion of the Body Snatchers, it's I don't see a point. It's kind of like the Disney movies nowadays where they're making live action versions of their animated classics and they're not doing anything different. No, it's just just technology. It's live it's action. It's just technology and it's, yeah. you know, it it makes a lot of money because it's a built-in IP and stuff, but it's not it's not saying anything new. It's not doing anything new. Um, and that's something that needs to be done in cinema. We need to continue to build on things. It's like this story, it's the rising action of cinema. We need to continue to progress and move forward so that we don't become stagnant, so it doesn't become boring and the audience you know, loses interest in these types of stories in general. I completely agree. Okay, so I'm going to pitch you another an idea. We're going to do a, a TV show spinoff, if you will. All right, right. So this is going to be in the same essence. I don't even know if this, if this show came out. Do you remember the previews? I think it was an NBC show. Of the slap? No, I don't. Okay, so the preview, first of all, the premise of it is they're like at a family barbecue. It's like a normal day. And like a dad comes over to the to someone else's kid that I think is bullying his daughter or his or his son. And uh, he like pushes, I think he pushes his daughter down. And the dad comes over there and like slaps the kid across the face. And it was like, I think it was like an NBC, or maybe it was always a spoof. I think it was like, a, like almost going to be like an NBC show. That was like the trailer. Anyways... Same story in a way. We call it the spank. <laughs> is our main character Jimmy? <laughs> Has to be. Is, uh, it, can... is it Jimmy all grown up and now he's the dad is. spanking? Yeah, I think it's I think it's Jimmy all grown up. I think it's It's Jimmy all grown up and he's going back to doctor's he's, office he's and then spanking doctors. <laughs> it's a revenge story. <laughs> Rick, I love it. It's a million dollar idea. Dude, in the same universe, Jimmy is just like, he's still, well, I guess we find out in the movie that Jimmy's a copy. Maybe Jimmy finally, like, he, he finds his way back and he, like, he <laughs> fakes his way through the world to find the doctor to get revenge. I think that's exact. I think that's a world class sequel idea right there, Rick. Dude, Paramount Plus, Apple Plus, Discovery Plus, <laughs> CNN Plus, all the pluses. Hey. We got, we got an idea for you guys. We got you an just idea. Want to listen. We have some fun facts for all of our audience about this movie. Um, I've got a couple and you've got a couple. So why don't we uh, share some fun facts about Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I'll go first. So my fun fact is director Don Siegel pranked his lead actress with one of the fake pods. So he actually snuck into her place and hid one of these prop pods underneath her bed where she found it. Oh, I'm sorry. No, he, it wasn't underneath the bed. It was he snuck over to her house and left it on her doorstep. So there's actually different points of view of the story, which you just said both of them. The director oh, really? said in an interview, yeah. The director said he snuck into her house and put it under her bed. And then she said that she found it on the doorstep. And like interviews are probably only like a week apart. 
And, like, I don't think it was that. I think it was, like, the movie. So the movie, it, like, ran. Didn't do too well in the box office, mainly because they had advertising concern. They had advertising stuff because they were fixing the ending. The new ending and beginning. So I, I didn't mention that earlier. The voiceover was shot, I think, several, several weeks after the movie was fully done. Um, so they, like, kind of, like, they were trying to market this movie for pretty much six to eight months because they wanted to keep fixing it. Like, the, the production studio wanted to keep fixing it. So then, like, the hype died down. Obviously, it did its TV It did its TV route, and people loved it, turned into a classic. Uh-huh. But I just think it's a, it's a funny thing to mention. But anyways, I'll give you one of my, my fun facts, right? Um, I think this is really funny. So the main actor, I guess, was dealing with, like, a lot of, like, insomnia or, like, sleeping issues during it. Also, the last scene, I'm pretty sure they had, like, a week of shooting dedicated to almost him running. This is the original, like, Mission Impossible Tom Cruise. I guess, not even Mission Impossible Tom Cruise. This is Tom Cruise in every movie. Another Dude, movie runs. that another mo- movie that in- was inspired by this oh, movie. It has to be, right? It has to be. It's like, Man like, running he, long distances for long amounts of time. Even, ni- even 1978 movie, he's also running a lot in that movie. And a lot of people think that the Forrest Gump run is from one of the actors' runs in that movie. Interesting. <laughs> so obviously now, that's running. a fun fact right there. Anyways, not seventy the movie. Anyways, so the filmmakers didn't think that he was going to, like, survive the last scene. So he's, like, hasn't, like, I think they, he probably pushed himself to not sleep to get more into his character. So I think he was, like, he wasn't sleeping to actually play the role, like, correctly. And he was sprinting a lot. Like, he was running in a lot of scenes in this movie. Um, anyways, we said before the last scene, one of the last scenes, he's in the highway. And there's cars going four to ten miles an hour. Um, that I was passing by him and I guess they're all like stunt drivers so I guess the director was like really 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 worried that McCarthy was going to like get himself run over mm. so I, they only shot the scene like two or three times because they just were very concerned over his health another fun fact that I have which I we, we kind of already talked about um, the prologue and epilogue were last minute additions like you were saying the original ending was him on the highway screaming um, they're coming for you help help stop um, they're coming, they're coming. Um, and the reasoning behind that, which we also discussed, was to give it a more hopeful ending um, where the protagonist saves the day and he, people believing him um, instead of ending on such a dark and dreary note. Especially for that time, movies of that day didn't end that darkly. Oh, definitely. Well, then, so this like kind of even leads into, like, I guess, the last fact that we have um, that I want to share with you is that, the, is that McCarthy, he has a cameo in the 1978 movie, and they wanted to kind of pay respects to the original director ending so in that uh mccarthy has a cameo in that movie and he runs up to i guess our new group of main actors um i think it's one in front of the one actor's cars near the beginning of the movie and it's and he screams the same line like help help they're coming they're coming they're coming so it hints at like maybe the second movie is a soft sequel to the movie maybe it's in the same universe but either way it's paying homage to the original ending we're gonna end this podcast playing a little fun quiz with you guys about what character we are or whether we're a pod person or not so this week it is whether you are a pod person or not so we are gonna find out rick um you have the quiz in front of you i have the quiz in front of myself uh i'll read it off and we'll share our answers and then at the end we'll find out whether we are or not okay rick first question a classic pick a color black green orange purple red or yellow i'm going with orange that's my favorite color so orange for me going purple go uh, go lakers also think this is justin bieber's favorite color go biebs 
all those believers out there. We support you. All right, next question. Pick a vice. All-you-can-eat buffet. Binge drinking. Lottery tickets. Online shopping. Road rage. Social media. Well, Rick, I think I, I think I know which one you're going to choose. I'll let you answer that for yourself. Well, I already have road rage. Um, easily. I, obviously, the less damaging one is probably social media. I, just, I feel like I, I'm just going to go binge drinking. You know, we, we don't need to talk about it. There you go. There you go. I knew it. I knew it. I'm going to do all-you-can-eat buffet. Dude, our stomachs are want to kill us. Yep. Mm-hmm. In different ways. In different ways. <laughs> Pick a subject. Astronomy. Botany. Calculus. Geology. Philosophy. Or theater. You know, I'm a really extra guy, so I'm going to go with theater. I love friggin' rocks. Let's do geology. Rocks, baby. Got a lot of rocks. You know, some would say that pods are kind of like rocks. It's true. They, they are. They, the pods are not as heavy as a rock, though. <laughs> that, that is true. They are, <laughs> they are as light as a feather in that movie. They are light as a feather. All right, Rick. Pick a 70s song to jam to. Jolene by Dolly Parton. Let It Be by The Beatles. Let's Get It On by Marvin Gaye. Rocket Man by Elton John. Staying Alive by Bees G's. Or YMCA by Village People. Bee Gees. Bee Gees. I gotta go the same. You can tell by the way that I walk my walk and I talk my talk and I do my stuff. Uh, uh, man, do I want to go be? I'm actually going to go Marvin Gaye. All right, well, now that you heard me sing, you made you change your mind. Great. I, I did. I'm uh, sorry. It Staying just... Alive is still my pick. I got, a, <laughs> I got an epiphany as you were singing. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, that's terrible. All right. Next question. Friends would describe me as adaptable, funny, mysterious, quiet, spontaneous, or unique. Dude, I like friends obviously they describe me as quiet. I wish I was funny. Honestly, I wish I was any any other of these, but no. It's always quiet. <laughs> they would describe me as unique. My wife would definitely describe they, me as unique. They would all of my friends all of your friends would describe me as unique, Parker. Rick, how would you describe <laughs> me? I, I would also describe <laughs> you as unique. There you go. I Spontane- spontaneous is in there, but it's more unique. You're definitely a combination of spontaneous and unique, though. All right, I'll take it. I'll take it. Next question. Pick a place to shop for groceries. Local farmer's market, Ingalls, Kroger, Publix, Trader Joe's, Whole Foods. TJ's. Publix. Uh, next question is, you see a cat run into a busy road. What do you do? Stand by and watch, hoping someone saves it. Walk away. Run into the road to try and save it. I'm the one driving the car. Well, I'm going to stand by and watch, hoping someone saves it. I'm a very passive person. It's a cat man I'm driving the car. <laughs> you're, you're, you're driving the car? <laughs> I do not like cats. All right. Drum roll. Well, I got way to go. You're still human. You look like you haven't slept in weeks, but at least you're still true to yourself. You're filled with emotions, and that beats being a dull. That beats being dull any day. So you're safe for now, but watch your back. You could be next. Okay, I just got mine. <laughs> what are you, Rick? Oh no, your body has been snatched. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to break it to you like this, but you're definitely a pod. You're definitely a pod person. Your body has been taken over by an extraterrestrial parasite in your sleep. You still seem pretty human, but you lack any emotion. Rick, I couldn't sum you up any better way. You are an emotionless pit of despair. Oh, wait, hold on. 
Bright side, pot people only live for five years, so I guess that's some good news, right? Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> you, won't, you won't have to live much longer. Well, it's so, dude, I'm not scared about it either because I'm, I have no emotion. There you go. Oh, dude, that's, that's a nightmare. No emotion, no hark. I mean, I guess I don't, I already don't laugh at your jokes, but it won't change that much. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Jeez Louise. <laughs> Well, I'm sure there's someone out there, one of our listeners, one day will laugh at one of my jokes. Oh, one day. This is this pause is going for a long yeah. time. Paul. You know what? We, if, if you are that listener, please reach out. Let us know. We would love to have you on the podcast so you can laugh at all my jokes. We can do a watch party for the list, to the one listener that laughs at uh, Parker's jokes. We'll watch the movie of your choosing. There we go. Well, Rick, we're coming to the end of our podcast now. And at the end of every podcast, we like to do a pass or recommend. So... Rick, would you pass or recommend Invasion of the Body Snatchers? Dude, this is a hard recommend. <laughs> I I love this movie. I loved it way more than I thought I was going to. I thought it, like it's a 50s movie. I thought it was going to be cool, like some cool elements. This movie holds up today. Like it holds up today in its story and its dialogue and everything. I think like if you're listening to this podcast, like I hope you take I guess this advice and you watch this movie. This is a good this is a great movie. I would follow suit exactly with what you said. This is a phenomenal movie. Uh, neither of us really knew what we were getting ourselves into. We didn't watch a trailer. We didn't watch anything about it. We didn't know much about it. We were like, this is on the top of, you know, horror psychological thriller list of the 1950s. Let's give it a watch. And so that's what we did. Next week, we will be reviewing and talking about the movie Psycho. So feel free to watch the movie this upcoming week. Join along with us as we discuss what Alfred Hitchcock has to share. And let me tell you, just in the name we know, it's going to be a lot of good jokes. A lot of good jokes. Rick, that's what we're all about. We like, we like making jokes. We like cracking jokes, smacking butts, popping pills. We're, we're all about those things. Drinking. Drinking. And on that note, my name is Parker, and this has been my co-host. Rick. The third. Don't forget the third. the third, Rick. Sorry. Dick, Rick, Richard, there's a lot. Thank you for listening to Two Dudes, One Movie Podcast, the podcast where two dudes dive into cinematic masterpieces from a different decade each week. Next week, we'll be talking about the Alfred Hitchcock movie, Psycho. So please join us as we continue our journey through the decades. Until next week, guys. See ya. Peace out. Two Dudes, One Movie is an independently created podcast. Like, rate, follow, and subscribe wherever you listen. You can find the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube where we will post full video recordings of each episode. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Two Dudes, One Movie Podcast. Thanks for watching.